Folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is March 30th, 2016, and this is episode 1755 of the Survival Podcast. And it's Wednesday, so we do have an interview for you today. Today's interview is going to be unconventional. Uh, quite a bit unconventional. In fact, I'm going to almost put a disclaimer on today's interview because I know some people will have very unique feelings or strong feelings about the lifestyle of the guest that I'm going to bring on that we're going to call Token. She's on our forum. Um, we're going to talk today about is it even possible or desirable to have a state-free marriage? Can we eliminate the state from marriage and still protect our rights as, as, as individuals as to, for instance, if we died, who would raise our children? Or can we uh, then afford ourselves the ability to purchase a home if we are trying to use the income of both spouses without marriage? These are just a couple examples of the types of things that we're going to get into today. When I say her lifestyle is unconventional, I actually mean unconventional. She's in a, a polyamorous marriage with a man and a woman. Both of them are her partners, and I'll leave it there. Quite honestly, like many of you, this is a lifestyle I do not get. Um, but I also have no compulsion to tell others how to live. However, due to her situation, she's come up against almost every legal consideration possible for marriage without the state's official blessing. This issue is important to many in our audience as many are truly beginning to see that no matter your personal life choice there's no reason for the state to be involved in your personal relationships but there's also a harsh reality due to current law the current court systems and many other interactions marriage has many benefits protections and privileges simple things and complex things both like can a child miss school for a funeral without ruining a two-year college scholarship You didn't see that one coming, did you? Well, neither did I before today's conversation. So what I would ask the audience to do today is, if you have any, and I'm not assuming that all of you do, but if you have any personal prejudice here, can we put it aside for about an hour and focus on the real issue, which is how the state determines what is done with your family, your property, your life, and often direct conflict with written contracts at times simply due to the presence or lack of a piece of paper or paper with the state seal on it. In the end today, I think you'll hear sadly, there's no elegant solution available for a truly stateless marriage. It is something we have not sufficiently built a parallel system for at this time. But peeling back the curtain of this may begin to show you just how much power the state has over your life, even, in the, even if this particular issue seems unimportant to you. In fact, today... I put it this way in the graphic for the show today. I set up a little meme. It's a picture of the White House. Actually, I'm sorry, the Capitol building. And it says, Most Americans would agree that our government's track record with welfare, education, agriculture, the war on drugs, corporate bailouts, catering to special interests, violating the Constitution, overtaxing its citizens, and massive national debt sucks. So please tell me why we should trust these same people to control the private institution of marriage. 
that's just something to ponder as we get into today's show. Before we do that, let's go ahead and get some historical context for today. Let's take a look at the year that was the episode. We have Shaking One's Faith. We have Stop the Language I Want to Get Off. And we have the Expulsion of the Acadians. I'm going to read Stop the Language I Want to Get Off because I have an interesting little tidbit out of literature to go with this one. And uh, Alex's take comes from literature as well, uh, both quite modern forms of literature. Stop the language, I want to get off. At one time, Samuel Johnson thought to standardize the English language so that it might stay the same with proper rules of grammar and spelling that did not change. But looking at history of language, he could find no example of a successful effort. It's like lashing the wind or tying down the breeze, since modern English hardly uses the word lash to mean secure or tie down anymore. It now means to whip or to strike. This year, Samuel Johnson publishes his Dictionary of the English Language. For many years to come, his work will define proper English, but his hopes of future English, but the hopes of future English teachers will be dashed, as he predicted. Language changes. My take by Alex Shrub. The novelist Tom Clancy told of a story of his visit up to a classroom to speak to students about writing. He explained how important it was to know the elements of language and to use them properly. The teacher stood in the back of a classroom nodding sagely. Then Clancy told the students to ask their teacher about Samuel Johnson and his accomplishments. He looked into the teacher's face and realized she had absolutely no idea whatsoever who Samuel Johnson was as he told that story. I realized that I didn't know who Samuel Johnson was either. I'd heard the name, but I couldn't recall who he was, so I looked him up. He was the most important source on the English language until the Oxford Dictionary was published in all ten volumes in 1928. Thank you, Tom Clancy. I'm listening to a Tom Clancy audiobook right now called Executive Orders. My take by Jack Spirico, I think it's a fool's errand to try to control language. I mean, I think the last thing, I mean, today's show is all about not having government control marriage. Do you really think we need government controlling language? Isn't that what all this political correctness really is? Now, we're not talking about spelling and syntax here, right? We're talking about controlling language, what people can say, what people can do. Isn't it dangerous when we start having governments or authorities start telling us how to use language, when to use language, what's right, what's wrong? I mean, I understand basic sentence structure and things like that. And I, I'm not making a case that we throw the book out on how to actually write and communicate is in grammar, rhetoric, logic, right? I'm not saying that, but do we really need to try to standardize language to the point where we stop its evolution? See, this makes me think of a book, a book I read a long time ago. It's a very interesting series of books. It's, I think it's called the Geodacy series. Uh, it's by a guy named Pierce Anthony, science fiction writer. And some of this stuff's way out there and stuff I'm not really interested in, but, but this series of books starts out with the, the first one in the series, it's called Isle of Women. And in Isle of Women, we start out at the dawn of humanity, the very first humans that aren't even quite human yet. And these characters in the story are reborn, like reincarnation over and over and over again throughout the evolution of history. So we start out, you know, on the African savanna, we end up in uh, military situations, all types of things all over the world with real world events and real history blended into it. That's why I really dug the book. But at one point, there's a guy who's captured by a, a, another army. He and his son are captured. And unlike in many situations where he'd be put to death, he was actually just made a slave, and his son ended up basically being taken into this new group. And eventually he actually wins his freedom. He ends up married to a woman who's 
part of the reincarnation thing, I believe. I might not be getting this perfect because this is like 10 years ago I read this book. But the, what I do remember very clearly is the conversation that this guy has with this woman. And because he's a little bit slower than them, his language is not quite as adapted as theirs. And that's part of why they lost. And this is pretty early on in, in, in civilization that this occurs. So the, the, the enemy that captured them is far more able to communicate. And they have far better coordination there in their attacks and their defenses. And that's why they're so successful. And because they're doing this, they're taking all these kids and just kind of throwing them together. And these kids are coming with different dialects and languages and all combining and using the, the tongue of the new mother nation, but from all these other places and all these other things. And they're actually taking words and making new words and evolving the language which is how this civilization advances so quickly because new ideas, thoughts, and concepts are being created through the creation of language rather than attempting to control it. And this is why I laugh when I hear the pointless bitch sessions of TV types and the, the talking heads you know, whining and complaining how people use shorthand on Twitter and Facebook. It's the evolution of language, the evolution of new thought, and it's completely normal that the old guard doesn't like it. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And with that, let's hear from our two sponsors of the day. Hey, if, if you're like me, you know what a gun without ammo is. We call that an overpriced club. That's why I go to BulkAmmo.com and keep a good stockpile of ammo for all my guns at all times. And it isn't just great price and availability that keeps me going back for more. Nope, it's lightning-fast shipping and exceptional service. Give BulkAmmo.com a shot, and I promise they won't let you down. You know, guys, I've been telling you about how Safe Castle Royal has everything for your prepping needs for over seven years now. Everything's a big word, but in this case, it's true. Of course, they have long-term storage food, water purification equipment, shelters, solar and wind components, and more. But hey, did you know they even have an amazing fold-down, bug-out bicycle? Yeah, they actually have two of those. For everything you could ever need as a prepper, and I do mean everything, check out safecastle.com today. And with that knocked out, I want to introduce our special guest today. We're going to talk about the possibility and all of the muddiness that goes with trying to develop a stateless marriage. With that, hey, Token, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, Jack, thanks for having me. So uh, I guess I'm here today to talk about a very random thing I recently realized I'm a subject matter expert in, and that is a uh, having non-state marriages, having private marriage contracts. Yeah, and I'm really glad to have you. Um, I think I talked about this subject on the air, and I got an email from you that was pretty long, and I'm like, yeah, that looks like she knows more than me. So, <laughs> because there's like this whole cornucopia of things that get opened up when someone says they want to do this. And I, I mean, I even know uh, a, a couple who was married and got divorced to remove the state from their marriage. So I, I'm familiar with a lot of the reasoning, and I share a lot of the reasoning, but I think that there is a whole mess because of the way things are run today. Oh, it's, it's more messed up than you know, trust me. It's awful. <laughs> I mean, there's this, like, I, I don't think people understand, like, there's this bundle of, of legal rights that, that the state assigns to people who have a state marriage contract, and we can say we don't need the state all we want, and in many ways I don't think we do, but, you know, just things like health insurance alone are huge. So could oh, you just kind of start out with, like, massively. what is this big bundle of rights that, that come with marriage, and is there a way to get them or most of them with private contracts? 
Uh, there, there absolutely is a way to get them without having, to, uh, with, with private contracts to get most of them, but I'm going to use a word that I know you're not a big fan of, but I promise I'm, I'm going to use it in, in a good way. Um, there's a certain amount of privilege that comes sure. with, uh, with traditional marriage contracts and how that all works. And, um, my, my wife is actually in the middle of getting her degree in sociology. She's getting her, uh, her master's in social work. So there's a whole lot of really interesting work going into what those types of privilege is, uh, privileges are that, uh, you, you know, you only hear about the complete like tinfoil hat crazy people who use the word privilege. Sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, look, before we even go on there, just so we clear the air there. Privilege is a completely valid concept, and when one group of people is prohibited from something that another group of people have access to, then yeah, that's a that's a, a privilege well, that's protected by the state. It's not so much the prohibition; it's basically how much extra work it takes mm. for the non-privileged class to accomplish the exact same thing that the privileged class just doesn't even have to think about. And um, the the bundle of rights that come with a marriage is exactly one of those things. So one of the reasons I know so much about this is I've been in a triad. I have a husband and a wife, and I have to say, every time I say or talk about my husband to someone new in the state of Texas, I have to say, I am not legally married to my husband. Wow. Because and if I don't say this, and if I don't out. say this consistently, somebody can pull a bigamy charge against me if, like, they don't like how tall my grass is. Okay. Because I can get out of that, but if I don't make it extremely clear that I'm not legally married to my husband in every conversation, it's just that little piece of extra work that I have to do. Which, so, let's clear the air on that, too. No matter what anybody thinks of your lifestyle choice in the audience, <laughs> yeah. what we have is a state basically saying that we can bring charges against you for the improper use of a term according to the state. And yes. that's like what I want to like, you know, get through to the audience here because I know some people have very strong feelings against gay marriage, against multiple marriage, whatever. Yep. And personally, I don't get a three-way marriage at all. No way, shape, or that do I get that? <laughs> Look at it this way. It's not my place to tell you how to live your life. And – If it's not my place personally, then it should not be my place to use a third-party enforcer to tell you how to live your life. That's even worse because that means I don't have the guts to do it myself. Exactly. I want to outsource that that oppression to somebody else. So we'll kind of shelve that because I don't want to even have any big, huge arguments with the audience about it and kind of say, well, how does this affect marriage, right, period? Like yeah. if you want if you want to be able to handle things like child custody – If you want to be oh, like, yeah, that like inheritance of property, visitation rights at a hospital when somebody's in critical care, like because all those things apply to anybody that has a problem with the state controlling marriage. Yeah, and those are all huge issues. And actually, um, the very first thing, if you want a non-state marriage, that you have to do is you have to get a medical power of attorney. First thing, huh. that is the key. Um, and uh, I, there, there was a lot of of conversation and publicity about this when uh, the Terry Schiavo case was going down. But it basically, if somebody is legally married to another person for one day, that trumps all over uh, all other familial relationships when it comes to medical decisions about you when you're incapacitated. 
But if you're not getting the legal, prote- uh, the you know the the protection of the legal marriage, um, if you're incapacitated, you could have you know you could have a distant relative show up and they will trump your partner, which is against the wishes of the person. That's Absolutely. that's and that's again that's what people have to stay on point with here. That no matter what you think about how anybody else lives their life, we should have enough respect for each other that if. If I most trust myself to you or to, uh, I don't know, anybody, that yeah. my wish should be treated as sacred, and it's not. Well, I, I figured for, for a thought experiment here, we could just say, you know, what would happen if you and Dorothy weren't legally married? Okay. Because that's something I think a lot of people understand. And and uh, just so you know, I'm on the forums. Um, I'm more than willing to like start a thread answer questions because people usually have a bunch of questions when they find out the sort of relationship I am. I just want to say, uh, in general, we're extremely boring. My wife's a, a veteran. <laughs> My husband was an Eagle Scout. Um, I've been on the PTA every single year. <laughs> you know, we have two guinea pigs and dogs and we live in the suburbs. Like, uh, we are very, very, very boringly, disappointingly normal once you get past the fact that there's three of us. Sure. And we've been together. Um, we've been together as a committed three-person marriage for eight years now. So we've gotten past like the seven-year line where most divorces happen. So um, this is just how it's worked out for my family. Sure. And um, uh, so yeah, if if you wanted to have a non-legal marriage, like, like I said, the very very first thing is you need to understand that it's going to be a, a an uphill battle, and you're going to end up spending a lot of money on contracts. And a lot of money on lawyers because most of this stuff is just assumed that if you want it, you're just going to get married because it's so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's not like a, a legal zoom, like this is how I want my probate handled in case of, uh, in case I pass away so that my partner gets all of my stuff. And, um, there actually, there are some really good resources if you want to do things like that, but, um, they're all sort of, left over from before when gay marriage was legalized. Um, so uh, I have a couple links I can send you. Okay. We'll uh, where there's actually basically like, these are the steps that you need to go through in these various states to make sure that certain things are held. But um, ha- Have any of these things been weakened now that basically the Supreme Court has said that gay marriage is legal, so therefore... Oh, everything is up in the air. Um, it used to be that you could get something called a domestic partnership, which uh, was basically... You know, well, gay people can have the straight people can have it too. You're not legally married, and actually, my first non-legal marriage uh, was a domestic partnership with some extra contracts. And um, I'm actually still very best friends with the, the the person I'm no longer with. We we talked for an hour yesterday. Great, great person. Just the the, the marriage bit didn't work out. The 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 low calorie marriage substitute rather. Mm-hmm. Just it it didn't work. So um. In all of the states where you had domestic partnerships and you had heterosexual couples who had the domestic partnerships, what is being done right now is those are being sort of rolled into legal marriages. Mm. And for some people, that's a disaster because, for instance, um, if you remarry after a spouse who was active duty passed away, you lose a whole bunch of um, benefits and I'm not positive, but I think some of those may even be benefits that go to your kids. So survivor so, benefits 
I mean, so that's like a completely screwed up thing there. I mean, oh yeah, handling that the way they would handle, let's say, alimony. Let's say you and I are married, we get divorced, we live in a state unlike Texas, requires me to pay you alimony, you get remarried, and the state's like, okay, you know what, enough of the alimony. Well, that's not what this is. Yeah. This is a person who was in a committed marital relationship to a veteran who died in service, and because they've chosen to move on with their life and find somebody new, their survivor benefits are removed? And that is all, that's been going up and down. I only know about that because my father was a, a veteran and recently passed. Wow. And my mom was checking in on, like, if she does move on, what happens? And, and um, some of the housing benefits and um, uh, and uh, the, the, the other benefits that she gets from my dad having been a disabled veteran would be diminished if she remarried. See, now, this is another thing, right? So everybody, whenever they hear about this whole topic of not getting married for whatever reason, thinks about the people that milk the welfare system. What you're talking about here is somebody that sacrificed a good portion of their life to the service of their country and was oh, and promised it, it something at the end of it, and then that promise is reneged on because the partner who inherited the benefit has chosen to not sit around and wait to die themselves and has decided to keep on living, which is, I mean, if I died, I would hope that Dorothy would do the same at some point. Probably not in the middle of the funeral, but <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, you don't want your partner to sit around alone for the rest of their life. Yeah, that's that's incredibly selfish. So, I mean, that, that's what I think when people, when, when this whole debate was going on prior to the legalization of gay marriage, people were saying, oh, they can just have this. And as we're starting to dig into this, you see all of these... Layers, and I know what people would say to me is, okay, you're supposed to be an anarchist. You want the state completely out of this. I absolutely do. I absolutely do. Yeah. But they're not. So since they're not, I have to deal with them. Well, and there's there's also other benefits that are really important on the other side of the spectrum. I mean, um, for instance, if you don't have a legal marriage, if it turns out that your partner is physically abusive or using drugs or emptying your bank account, if you don't have the protections of legal marriage, getting certain types of uh, restraining orders is a lot harder <laughs> or nearly impossible in some jurisdictions. Unbelievable. So, um, so yeah, getting domestic violence uh, intervention and protection orders, if you're not legally married, especially if you're in a situation where, like, a polygamous marriage like I'm in, can be a lot more difficult. Um, then there's, uh, there's the income tax stuff. Uh, if you are an employee and you're working for one of your spouse, uh, for, for your spouse, and, and, uh, you know, if they've got, like, a sole proprietorship and you work for them occasionally, mm -hmm. um, your wages are exempt from federal unemployment tax. Okay. If you're not legally married, your wages are no longer exempt. <laughs> um, uh, family visitation rights uh, in hospitals are a big deal, but um, in the, the few occasions where we have been hospitalized. Now, we do live in Austin, the Austin, Texas area. Um, so the few times where we have been in, in I mean, I was in a um, near-fatal auto accident a year ago, and uh, my husband was able to, you know, show up, pick me up from the accident, take me to the hospital, get me a CAT scan, all of that. Nobody checked for our, our marriage license, but if my wife had been there as well, because Austin is known as a place where there's a whole lot of weirdness, basically, mm -hmm. um, th th this sort of thing slides. There are lots of places in the country where that would not have happened. So if I was in the hospital seriously sick or injured, my, um, I, I jokingly call them spice, the plural of spouse. My spice wouldn't have been allowed in to see me, but that's not the really scary part. The really scary part is 
I am, uh, my daughter is my husband's child. If she was in the hospital, I would not be allowed to visit her. And to me, that's a lot more terrifying than people not being able to come and see me, is not being able to be there for my child. Yeah, that's that's another instance of like, so I mean, what I, I've tried to explain for years now is all of this legal crap that people use to try to enforce their will on others, when you start down that road, you create this whole ripple effect. Of, it's a massive mess. I, I don't think anybody ever intended those consequences, really, right? Yet yeah, they're well, there. Now, I think there are people that are so hateful and bigoted that they're like, they don't care that those consequences exist for certain people. But this is the other thing. When you have a nation like ours, when you create these ripple effects, they don't just affect the people you disagree with. Sooner or later, they affect the people you do agree with. And that's why it just shouldn't be there for anybody. But again, we're back to reality. Yeah. It's well, just I, reality. I am familiar with a three adult family where they are not married. It is a husband and wife and the wife's twin sister. And the wife's twin sister um, was uh, had some medical issues I'm not clear on, but basically she needs to live with them and she provides childcare and all that sort of stuff. And one of the uh, – we started talking during one of the kids' field trips because, of course, I'm the field trip mom. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm like this wild, crazy, shocking woman. Um <laughs> So since I'm the field trip mom, I go with them on the field trips. But since I'm not, uh, I don't have any legal rights to my kid who I've been raising for the last eight years. We've got full custody. Um, I can't sign her, uh, her, uh, insurance information. I can't sign the, um, the waivers for her to go on field trips. Mm. So I'm there with her on the field trip. But if anything happened to her while we were on the field trip, if I had signed the waiver, insurance wouldn't cover her. And this other this other woman who was in the same situation where she's a primary caregiver for a child that she's not biologically related to, she couldn't she couldn't do the same thing. So we're sitting there complaining about how we had to like, you know, uh, you know, because I can sign. Now, a, just to be clear, that, that other family they're not really in your situation, right? No, they're, they're in a they're in a they're in she's a similar, there platonically, but yeah. yet she's acting as a primary caregiver because they have this. Like families used to live, they all live yeah. together. Take they have an extended together. family household. Yeah, but it was it was so rare to be able to talk to another parent figure who's not a legal parent. It was just wonderful. Is there like, I mean, as a business person and looking at your notes, I think I know I'll incorporate my marriage. I I, I will create a company that we're partners in. There are some serious problems with that. Okay. Um, we have looked into forming an S corp and a C corp for our marriage. Um, and one of the issues that we're currently dealing with is um, if you do that and you put your assets in the corporation, um, car loans and mortgages become really, really complicated. So really if good. you, uh, so right now we have a, a because my wife is a veteran, we have a a, a VA mortgage on our property, um, and uh, it, we we actually need to update our will so that if anything happens to us, my husband gets the property. Because, um, you know, since we're not legally married, that's not the default assumption. Sure. Um, but uh, because it's a personal mortgage, it's handled completely differently by the banks than a corporate mar- a, a corporate mortgage would sure be. Sure it is. So um, we would have to increase the percentage down to 20% and refinance 
um, in order to move our house into the C Corp without the mortgage being called, which is when they, the bank basically says, hey, um, you know how we said you had like 30 years to pay back all that money? Yeah, we'd like it Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could do that on, on the, the breach of certain terms, which was rate by moving it. And I think like, yeah. another thing people don't understand is like, okay, let's say you even have the 20%. So you go out and you form a corporation tomorrow. You may interest have, rate will be easily double, possibly triple what we're paying right now. But then the other side of that is it's technically then a commercial property. It is mm-hmm. also the case that that new brand new baby corporation you just created with a piece of paper has no credit history yep. whatsoever. So you can basically so they'll let you kind of sign through your personal validation to a point. But a brand new corporation has a very difficult time obtaining financing. Yes, it does. And uh, as well, since uh, my wife is a 100% disabled veteran, we get certain breaks on our property taxes out here in Texas. And if the property moves into the corporation, we lose that. See, and isn't it funny? Like the state gives out a privilege and then uses it against you. Yes, that's, it does. It's, 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 a, it's a mechanism of control is what it is. Because what, oh, absolutely. I, I know what people are going to object and say, well, if they don't want it, then they don't, you know, that type of attitude. But... The problem is you've created a stasis in the economy based on certain metrics, and then anybody that attempts to extract themselves from that is put on a different plane economically instantaneously, right? So it's, it's expensive to extract yourself, but the only difference really is terminology, yeah, well, I mean, for us to completely move everything over, I mean, and we would have to, uh, there, there's other things, uh, financially as well, like, um, we have to prove insurable interest so that we can be, uh, we can get life insurance on each other. Hmm. So that's like an extra level of underwriting whenever we're updating life insurance or changing jobs. Which is understandable to a degree because if some guy named Tom I never heard of wanted to take out a million dollar policy on me, I'd have an issue. You'd be a little, yeah, you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd, you know, maybe hire some security guards or something. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. I, I sort of get that, but if both parties are present, both parties are willing to sign, it shouldn't be an issue, but yet it can be. Yeah. And um, there's, of course, there's different rates for just like, hey, I want to have a standard term life insurance policy so that if anything happens to me, like my family's taken care of. And if we were in a corporation, we'd have to get what's called key person insurance, mm-hmm. um, which is a very, very different beast. Yeah. And uh, the, the underwriting is different. It's a lot more complicated. And of course, it's more expensive. It's, it's not intended, and that's why. So, so just for people that don't know what that is, key, key man or key person insurance is I form a corporation and I, I, I bring in some partners, and I've got one guy that's like this badass programmer, right? And if he freaking dies, we're screwed. We can't yeah. replace him, and if we did have to go out in the market to replace him, we can't, we can't do it financially. Like he was part of this because of his stake, so I have an insurance policy on him specifically because he is irreplaceable without a significant financial investment. So I might have a guy that he's working with us and he draws a salary from the company for fifty grand because he's a founder and and he's willing to you know he's a he's a four hundred thousand dollar programmer. He's working for me for fifty grand because he's got twenty five percent of the company. He's working for stock options. He's working for the future, and that's how you found a company. But if he dies, my other two partners and I we're screwed because. Whatever he was working on, we just can't go out to like, you know, jobs.com and get another guy for 50 grand. 
So that's why that product even exists. So now you're being forced to use a product that's that technical for some yeah, and, and no and wonder it's expensive. We, I, I mean, we, we started looking into it once and they were like, okay, well, can you prove that your husband has any skills that you can't readily replace on the market? And I'm just like, um, <laughs> like that is a really personal question when you're talking about somebody you're married to. Yeah. And, and, and all I can do is be like, you know, um, he's an amazing cook. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. He does his share of the laundry. Like, I, I mean, it's, it's a very, very different, uh, thing. And, um, and, and another thing, if we're talking about like worst case scenarios when a spouse dies, um, since I'm not legally married, they don't have to inform me of any probate hearings. So not only, did... <sighs> <laughs> um, so if my wife and I passed away and, uh, you know, my husband is there, he's got the traumatized child. We are, uh, you know, trying to get our life back on track if something happens and um, they decide that uh, the the city I live in is going to you know p- repossess the house, they don't even legally have to inform him of the court dates. This is and so have you found any way? Well, let's let's go on to one more thing and then we'll talk about if you found any way to deal with any of this. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about insurance. Like the, the the one of the biggest problems people have today, and not just in this area, but in many areas, is health insurance, and it's become so much. prohibitively expensive for most middle class families. It really has. Unless you're dirt poor or filthy rich, you can't afford insurance. But now you got to have it. So yeah, for for me to be on my wife's amazing health insurance, um, my wife is a. Uh, uh, was uh, military and then moved on and worked for uh, uh, the police department. Okay. Um, and has amazing health insurance. And one of the reasons we got married was I had a rather unexpected organ failure at 22. Uh, you know, person in, in otherwise great health, nobody was expecting it. it was kind of one of those random fluke things. Um, so I really have to have health insurance. And for me to be on her health insurance is $700 a month. Which is quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I cannot be on my husband's plan through his work, which would be $200 a month. They actually, uh, the, the company he works for him is based in Canada, and they actually looked. They tried to find a loophole, um, but they, they couldn't find one for us. Because it's uh, not their decision. It's the insurance company's decision yeah. in the end. Yeah. So uh, so they did what they could, but uh, so that's that's a $500 a month difference. In our budget, and we're also looking at, you know, an extra two to three hundred dollars a month in property taxes if we uh, move the property into the C Corp and, you know, an extra two and three hundred dollars a month for for life insurance and all of the additional lawyer fees. I mean, we're seriously talking to make this function the way it really should. We're looking at an extra financial burden of easily a thousand dollars a month. Yeah, at least. And it could be up to two. So a lot of the stuff we sort of wing it just because. You know that's a that's a that's a part time job just to pay for us to be able to do the stuff everybody else does without thinking about it. Well, let's talk about another thing too. Child custody oh. is is a huge thing because I mean, let me just say this: you have the typical American family, mom, dad, two kids, and a white picket fence, and they just and no one dies, but they just decide to dissolve the marriage through divorce, and then custody is is in discrepancy, right? And the, the family court system will destroy all four members of that family. That like, it's like oh, yeah. it's almost like it's their goal to destroy the human beings. Now we move out into a non-typical thing; it can only get worse. 
It gets so much worse. Hold, hold, so hold, hold, there was quick right there. Just so if anybody doubts what I just said, there is a, a, a documentary called Divorce Corp. Go watch it, and it will sicken you that this is our country and the way we handle these situations. And go ahead. Okay, so yeah, I'm about, I'm about to tell a story. Um, there was a, another child involved, and uh, we, we had two kids at one point. So this is this may be something where, like, if you don't like really depressing stuff, you might want to skip forward or enraging. Um, so uh, the biological mother of the other kid um, was letting known heroin abusers babysit. There was documented physical abuse. Okay. All sorts of stuff going on. And um, because of my wife's health issues, we were just having a really hard time getting our visitation. She was on, uh, she was on parole. And we actually had to give up all of our parental rights to this kid and give them to this woman's ex-husband because uh, when you're divorced you lose all rights to your stepkids it doesn't matter if you were the primary caregiver for 17 years you leave your 18 you can have the courts can say you're no longer allowed to talk to this person until they're 25 yep yep um so we had to i mean we want to give hold on real real quick i just want to get the universality out here of, of how these laws screw everybody up so i am a stepfather and I lived with that fear until the day my son was 18 years old. Yeah. And if something had happened to my wife, it would have been it, all it would have took is you know, and and we had good relationships with with other members of the family, the few that are left. But in a situation like that, you just don't know what somebody's going to do. Yeah, and and since we're in an extra legal marriage, I mean, I'm I'm fortunate that my daughter's mother, um, she thinks that I'm a great parent. She actually buys me Mother's Day presents. Um, last time we we talked, she gave me a huge hug and said that I'm doing a better job as a mother than she could have, and she really appreciates me. So that relationship is really good. The the relationship with this other person, she actually uh, tried to get a court order to um, stop me from hugging my stepson. And um, her attorneys were being paid for through a church um, yeah. because we were weird. That's that's yeah, that's what Jesus would do. And um, we had some fr- again. My my wife is getting her degree in social work because um, with her particular disability, she can talk, but she can't type. So she's going to be a counselor for at risk teens. That's that's what she wants to do um, now that she can no longer follow her former career path. Uh, so we had several home studies done. We had, you know, social workers come in, spend the week at our house. Um, they said that we had one of the best home environments they'd ever seen because there was always, like, I don't understand how families with more children than adults manage because, you know, we've got, we outnumber the kids and that was always really important for us. That there was always like a fresh, non-tired, non-cranky adult who could go and you know be there and and really be present for the kids? You could play man to man versus soft zone for the sports people, right? Yeah, that's, that's serious. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, that's like so we could even like again. I think people want to want to point stigmas out, but this is how families were when I grew up because there was a lot of you know grandma or grandpa living with. A couple, you know what I mean? You know, or, or an auntie just, or someone. Yeah, yeah. You know, there was a lot of like we call doubling up and things like that, especially through the seventies and eighties when you know times were pretty tough in parts of the country. I mean, as, yeah. as they are now. So that's a regardless of how the person's there, that's another aspect of 
if you have someone living in your home, regardless of why, that becomes a parent figure to your child, the concept that someone could ever terminate their rights to see or interact with that child is 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 very frightening. I will be honest, that was one of the scariest things for me when I started going down this particular lifestyle path. I realized when I was 13, um, I could never cheat on anybody. I mean, that's that's not my makeup. I, 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 I really think of myself as an honorable person. Um, but the thought of being in like a closed two person relationship where, where I was their one and only like made me sad and depressed and feel like I wanted to, you know, chew off my own arm to escape. So, so I knew this wasn't for me. And, and then I discovered, you know, science fiction from the early sixties and was like, Hey, there are other people who think this way. And, and, uh, I've never been in a monogamous relationship and it's really, really scary when you're entering that sort of dating world. Because you realize that you can raise somebody else's kid for five years and they are gone like that. And there's nothing if, you can do. If anything goes wrong. You've also narrowed your field, right? I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, there, were, there are lots there's of There's a whole bunch who, of people are like, yeah, hey, really? No, no sorry. And yeah. that's, that's called freedom of choice. Yeah, well, I always made sure to tell people before the end of the first date, I'm like, here is, like, I am really weird. I am not for everyone. I am an odd <laughs> duck. Like, you are a super cool guy. I would love to date you. He's like, here's my damage. Here's where I'm really neurotic. If that's going to drive you crazy, you run yeah. like your hair is on fire. <laughs> like, this so, is just how it's got to be. Let's, um, let's approach this from a different angle. Let's say wow. that that wasn't the case. Let's say that you were in a situation where it was a single partner. And even if that was a, a, a same-sex partner. With all of the crap we're talking about now, would you just yield to the system and say, let's just do a marriage because you would be in a situation where all these problems go away? Or would you still try to find your way around this? If they made it legal to have multi-adult marriages tomorrow, I'd be at the courthouse. Okay, so that, that answers the, the question I actually asked, which is if it was, a single, yeah. it was a single thing, you would have done this. So you're in this situation due to your... Your lifestyle choice, but yeah. I still think this applies to anybody that says, I don't want the state policing my marriage. And what it sounds like, though, is even when you're going around it, what you're still trying to do, because you have to, is get the state to police your marriage under different legal aspects. Yeah, I mean, really the best thing that you can do if you if you really want a non-state marriage is never have any money, never have any kids, have no insane extended family members. And if they're a little kooky now, they will be insane if there is money involved. Sure. Um, and I think that just uh, those those rules apply to, like, such a small subset of the population. Yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but the whole gay marriage debate got started because of a really unfortunate case. There was a couple that had been together for like 25, 30 years. Um, and they were in an accident together. One of them passed away. He had been disowned 40 years prior by his family, but had done very well for himself. So while his partner was recovering in the hospital, they seized his property, took all of his money, took all of the photos and mementos that they had of their years together and burned them. And there was absolutely no nothing he could do legally. And uh, because of his injuries and medical bills, he ended up dying destitute, which is absolutely not what his partner would have wanted. So, so, so that's anybody actually, can feel that's okay. I don't, I don't understand. Yeah, and these were people who hated the the the, the person who died first. Sure. I mean, they disowned him. They didn't talk to him. You can hate me, but you still love my money. I, I understand yeah. that. So, um, so 
there are ways that you can you can do this. There are ways that you can protect yourself. But when it I mean, when it comes to the full bundle of legal rights, um, there are there are so many rights. And if you have anybody who's a veteran or a federal employee, the or um, a Native American who a tribal, like the number of rights that you have as a married unit just skyrockets. And Honestly, the main reason I would do a multi-adult legal marriage today would be to simplify our taxes. Our taxes are a nightmare. I'm sure they are. <laughs> no, I'm sure they are. Yeah. Taxes are a nightmare to begin with. So, like, you just threw a little gas on the fire. It got worse. I, I Yeah. Which um, seems like the government would be okay with making your taxes easier because that's their money as far as they're concerned. But, again, this is a whole – this is, like, the whole lesson in all of this. By trying to decide who's allowed to do what, we've created all of these 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 little nests of of, of state assigned privilege. Where, yeah, and if, then there's the corporate assigned privilege that comes from some of the state assigned privilege. Like um, when my when my dad passed away, um, my daughter could not go to the funeral because she would have missed one more day of school than they're allowed to miss without failing the grade that year, and since. He wasn't legally her grandfather. He didn't count as as family. I'm going to tell you right now, I would have drugged the principal out of the school by his nose, and we would have come to an understanding. We had already had some toe-to-toes with this principal, um, and this was basically her way of getting back at us. Oh, see, now I can't. Yeah, and um, unfortunately, um, I was in Colorado at the time. Uh, my husband could not get uh, family bereavement leave. He couldn't get FIMLA. So he couldn't go to my dad's funeral. See, th- this is another example. So this is where we're getting into a total different world yeah. here. It's not even about a privilege at this point. The, the fact that any school could tell a person, you can't take your child out of school for reasons you deem fit or will force them to fail even though they've passed. That's a sickness that... that in this case, it's tied to a, a marital issue, but there's many other aspects of that. Yeah, they, they know me on a first-name basis at the uh, the superintendent's office, and we did try at homeschooling for a year, and it was a disaster. Just the My daughter and I's personality is just close enough that we, yeah. you know, as a teenager, it would it would be, yeah, it would just be a, a nonstop fight. Um, but I'm not a big fan of government work schools. for everybody. I've, I've always said that. You know, if you can yeah. do it, I think you should, but it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, it, it, it did not work for us. We, we gave it a full year, though. We really, really gave it a go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and this is, like I said, this is stuff that you don't even have to think about if you're legally married. Like, you don't have to think about, can my kids go to my dad's funeral? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean. Which, you know, people would say, well, no one prevents that. Well, you just explained how it is. Right. I mean, that's yeah. that's that's ex- exactly the case. Well, I, and my my daughter is very very gifted. She's in a bunch of special programs at school. If she was held back for years, she'd lose access to those programs. And one of them is paying for the first two years of her college. So you know, I'm not going to force my kid to give up two years of free tuition. Yeah. And and you know, um, she was my dad's only grandchild. Yeah. Uh, and, and as well, my, my dad died. Uh, he he uh, died really suddenly. He had an accident, um, and due to complications from uh, he had a really severe Agent Orange poisoning. He had two kinds of cancer caused by Agent Orange. I am a I am a frothing anti Monsanto person due to watching my dad struggles with Agent Orange poisoning for my whole life. Um, 
but uh, he died really suddenly, and, and like the plane tickets would have been an extra four hundred dollars. But if we could have pr- sh- gone to the airline and shown the relationship and the uh, death certificate, they would have dropped it to like one hundred twenty bucks a ticket. Sure. So I mean, there were there were lots of things where if there had been a legal marriage there, my family could have been there for my father's funeral, and it just wasn't in the cards. And that's be see, but see, people would say, well, that's the that's the private market, whatever. No, that is. That is the market following the lead of the state. The state mm-hmm. has assigned these things, and therefore the market says, "Okay, that's that's our that's your burden of proof." The same way that an insurance company for cars says you have to have a state driver's license, right? And so, if, if that, let's say a state driver's license did not exist, there was no such thing, and the only law was you have to be insured to be on the road. Well, then every insurance company would have some form of competence do you have and then you would make a choice <laughs> of insurance companies based on how they assigned rates form of competence etc what they covered and you'd actually have a free market but because the state has stepped in and said we are the only people that are smart enough to determine if you can drive a car properly and only we can do that Then the corporation follows that model, and with marriage, that's the same thing that's been done. So the corporation has a duty to, to fiscal responsibility to make a profit. So it only makes exceptions when the the magic seal appears. It's almost like a stupid video game, right? Oh, don't have <laughs> seal, can't let you to the next level. Achievement unlocked. Legal yeah. protection. Yeah, right. Marriage. Oh, we got the magic seal. Okay, you can pass. Yeah, and 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 this is, this is like what, the reason I'm I'm glad we're having this conversation, even though unfortunately there's not a good resolution to it. Oh, uh, that, was my, that was my dream hope that here's exactly how you do it and it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> is it, it it starts to peel back the layers of oppression within a nation that believes itself to be free, and what I love you say oh. boring, but gear the textbook American family that most people strive to be an art. When you yeah. talk about the service of your father, et cetera, all these things, like these are so. There's people out there that would 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 basically crap on all your complaints today, but yet you you've got. Oh, if they if they run across me in the grocery store and they see my wife in the wheelchair and they they notice that she's a veteran, like they come up and thank her for her service. Sure. And, um, you know, and, and like I said, my my uh, my husband's an Eagle Scout, and you know he teaches. He, he um, after they they made the law so that if you failed to perform correctly, you could be legally liable. He stopped teaching, but he uh, he volunteered and taught CPR and first responder classes for years. My wife has every single FEMA certification. We are on. I mean, we do a lot of community disaster preparedness, where I go around and like check on little ladies and make sure I stock a little bit of extra water for them, like. Um, and I, I call myself token on the forums because I'm sort of like the weird token, like hippie, polyamorous, like weird person, non-Christian weird person on the side. But I mean, I live in a town in Texas with 8,000 people. I live in a very small town. We're outnumbered by cows, and all of our number, all of our neighbors like us. Yeah. Uh, we're we're very community oriented. We, I mean, like I, I I do baked goods and drop them off at neighbors' houses and at the fire station. Uh, my wife was a, a really really good emergency dispatcher, um, so she's volunteered. Uh, uh, you know, she she's basically on tap to help. 
um, in any big disasters. And uh, we live in Bastrop County, so that means since the, she's done that, there's been like eight tornadoes and three fires, you know, in the last like two years because um, apparently the county I live in like uh, is just like a natural disaster magnet. Yeah. Um, so we've had neighbors' houses flood, and I always go down and you know do everything I can to help, and you know, um, people like having us around. This is just the way our lives work best for us, and we don't push it on anybody. I mean, most of the time, what happens is a neighbor will come to me and be like, "So, who are you actually married to?" Because there's a, there's another <laughs> issue too. My wife is technically intersexed, so there was a question for a while as to whether or not we could be legally married at all. Okay. Because uh, she she uh, grew up as a guy. And when she was in the military, I forget the name of the hills. I know somebody will be able to tell you in the show notes instantly. There's a big hill in Fort Bragg that everybody runs on. Okay. Um, and uh, she was doing a run on that hill, fell down, broke her back. They did an MRI on her back, and they discovered a uterus. Okay. <laughs> and ovaries. And they were like, well, technically, hormonally, you could be either gender. Like, which one would you prefer? And after a lot of soul searching, she was like, well, you know, I, I actually have always felt like a girl. And so in this case, I'm gonna do that. these opinions are, there was a physical reason. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And w during, when, when, when the gay rights debate was going on, I was like, okay, so this is how, this is how she was born. This is how God made her. No matter what anybody says, that's a scientific medical fact. Right? Yeah. Medical fact. This, and there are a lot of people like that. So we were able to be legally married, even though she is female, because there was some anti-transgender legislation that was passed in Texas saying that you couldn't change your gender off of your birth certificate. So the only reason we were able to have a legal marriage for the last nine years and why I was able to get the medical care I needed to save my life after I had my organ failure was because of a quirk of Texas law. Hmm. Because um, I was, uh, it was a month before the insurance kicked in after I had my organ failure, and during that one month, the medication to keep me alive was twenty thousand dollars. So, not to so, not to not to skip over that, but just like yeah, so much correctly, are you saying that basically you do have a legal marriage? I have a legal marriage with my wife. Okay, and it has been legal for many many years before gay uh, marriage was legalized under domestic partnership. I would imagine. Uh, no, it was it was a legal marriage, not a domestic partnership. Okay, because of oh, a, of, oh yeah, I get because it. because of the oh, the yeah. intersex issues. So even I got you, I got you because they said, well, you can't change it. So you can't change it. So guess what? Yeah. Okay. There's, there's one up the state right there. <laughs> so, so let's just make everything more complicated because that seems to be how I like to make my life. <laughs> so, there's, so there's that added layer of complication that we had um, where, and there was a, there was a while where there was actually a debate in the Texas legislature where they were talking about, well, intersex people, We'll just, we don't want gay marriage, so we'll just make it so intersex people can't get married at all. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait. You're basically talking about denying these people because of their biology the ability to marry anybody. That is crazy. Yeah. That is so invasive. We're not talking about, and, and this is like, again, where people have to like get sticking points because of a lack of education. We're not yeah. talking about transgendered here. We're talking about intergender. We're talking about biologically intergendered people here. Yeah. And um, a lot of people don't know this because, you know, most most people 
the, the, the biology in uh, our government schools is taught about as well as civics. Yeah. Um, but there's actually six chromosomal human genders. It's not X to X and XY. There's six of them. Okay. Uh, there, so, so there are people who, and a lot of people, if they are one of these other genders, don't know. But you've got the chromosomal la- la- layer, and then you've got the endocrinological layer. Yeah. You know, so, so there's a lot of people who. Oh, sorry. All right. I'll wait till the guinea pig stop freaking out. That's okay. <laughs> there was a cloud shadow. It was terrifying for them. Okay. Um. So there, there are a lot of people who are biologically in sort of a gray area in between. Let's let's kind of. I had another question for changing the, the the subject, but I'm really yeah. I'm trying to stay on it. Um, Sorry, it's that's okay. So imagine then that you have a couple, just two people. They want it to be because I'm I'm going to assume the majority of my audience that's that's where they're at. Probably a they state. they want to be married in a stateless marriage. Does this get any easier? The best advice I would give for somebody who really wanted to do that was to find an attorney that used to specialize in domestic partnerships before gay marriage was made legal and do everything that they say because it the, the rules change state to state. And um, right now, a lot of what you used to be able to do to get some of the same protectionships like civil unions and domestic partnerships, those are in a state of flex. Because why would you need them? Because you don't. Because now we have to issue a marriage yeah. license. So, you know, you. Because I mean, I, I also would say I bet you there are a lot of people in in the the gay community that fought really hard for this equal right. Yeah. That when they hear somebody say, "But well, I don't want it," but I want the same recognition, or like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see that. Like, like we fought so hard for this for so long, and you don't. Yeah, but I think that's like, to me, let's say a person is listening to you and going, "I think polygamy is just wrong." Okay, well then you're married. Okay, to don't be polygamous too, because you're married to your partner and the state. <laughs> no, you are. You you are in every single yeah. legal marriage in this country is a three way marriage between two people and a government. That's what a marriage license is. It's you, if you look at what's on the look at the piece of paper by the power vested in me by the state of whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. the license itself is the seal of the state is on that license, which means that you are in a partnership. You're in a legal partnership between yourself, your partner, and the state. And this is where it gets. There's no other place where contract law works this way. No, if, and if, there's if, no if, other place where contract law can be thrown out as easily as family courts. Well, think about this, though. So I get married in the state of Texas. We get a contract, which is what the license in Texas really is. Mm-hmm. And we have entered into a marriage under an agreement by the state of Texas. We pack up our shit. We move to Florida. We get Florida driver's license. We buy a house. We live there. We have not altered our contract with the state of Texas. Should we get divorced? Should a partner die? Should anything happen that disrupts the the engagement of marriage it is it is judged under florida law versus texas law though florida's never reissued anything florida's never earned that right it's and in any other contract the jurisdiction would be flipped would be flipped and you'd have to go back to texas deal with it so alimony is a perfect example i get married in texas i move somewhere they have alimony texas didn't we get divorced i'm on the hook for alimony even though i never agreed to that yep well, I, I will say that there are people who get around these particular issues 
And this is going to sound really crazy. Just bear with me. Okay. I don't know you if can, it's any crazier, but... Oh, it gets crazier. Like I said, this rabbit hole goes really deep. Um, you can get around most of these issues, especially if you're doing something like uh, one of your partners is trying to immigrate to the United States. You can get around almost all of these issues by having one partner adopt the other one. There are states where you can do adult-to-adult adoptions. Okay. So that means that your wife would legally be your child, which kind of gives me the a raging case of the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. But that way, think about it. If they're your next of kin, they get all of those legal rights. Okay. So when you were saying earlier, like, you were wishing that there was just, like, an easy way around this, technically, if you don't want to get married, you could get adopted. That's an interesting thing. It opens up a whole new <laughs> with is there so much it's, it's a little it's off. a little like Woody Allen gross yeah. for me. Like I, I you know, but you know but legally it has worked for lots of people, especially like I said, if you're dealing with um uh uh like trying to get somebody like who's uh who's a foreign citizen to get their US citizenship, which again, if you don't have a legal marriage, um is so much harder. I mean, it's not like it's easy anyway to immigrate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, you know. Unless you just come here illegally, it's totally easy to do that way. Oh, yeah. If you want to do it legally, then it's hard. And then you, well, why do we have a problem with illegal immigration? I don't know. Let's see. Someone tries to come here with a Kennedy. Job, right? I mean. Senator Kennedy in the 1960s changed yeah. the immigration law so that he could get more Irish people in his district. Cool. All of our current immigration law woes stem from that. I mean, but if we look at it just from a, a, a pragmatic standpoint, why? Why is it? Why is it the case now that we have a problem with this? So you want to come here legally, Fernando Aguirre, right? Uh, you know who he is, the guy from Argentina. He wanted to come to America, and they said, "Do you have a job waiting for you?" He said, "I don't need a job. I have a business. Here's income, whatever." He's in Ireland now because he wanted to get out of Argentina. He couldn't get to America. Yeah. There's a guy with with a business of his own. He doesn't need anybody to help him with anything. He's trying to come up above board. Guy's a pillar of the community. You'd want him as your neighbor. Can't get in. But if I just come here illegally, I get benefits. I get free insurance. I get all kinds of free shit. And I I get a driver's license. I, there's places where you know they're voting. Uh, yeah. and, and so, they, okay, if that's the reality and you wanted to come to America, which way would you come? You'd come well, east I'll, I'll say I have shit. a friend who went to England for work and uh, met someone and stayed there for three years, and they tried to move back, and they tried to do everything above board. And this is someone with a, a legal marriage. Huh. Both of them own their own businesses. They are, you know, uh, they have the grown children. They're, I mean, they're, they are grown ups. Um, and he was held in a detention center and deported. Like he was held in a detention center in South Texas on the border for like um, three months. So like all of us were sending legal their packages people. with books and stuff as as they're trying to go through and legally get him to immigrate. And um, you know he's and you know now he's back in England and uh, she's seriously talking about moving to England. The, the tax rates are a lot higher there. Yeah. And she, her business is completely based on the internet, so she can do it anywhere. Um, they wanted to be here so they could be closer to kids and grandkids, but you know, like, and their state legal, came knocking one day and took him away. Married and she, they're legally married, and she can't get him into America. Well, she can get him in. He can't stay. He was deported. 
and then they had to pay for um, the flight. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's if you're legally married. If you are not legally married, that just gets a whole mess more complicated. That, that doesn't. So, for some people, adoption is the only way to to make that happen. I, I don't even understand that though. I thought if I was married to somebody, that they could they could basically come here through me. Oh, it is so much more complicated than that. <laughs> um, <coughs> they wanted they wanted to make sure that people didn't do green card marriages, where that was the only yeah, reason I they were getting married. Um, so, so to punish like the small number of people who were doing this, they just made the entire process so, so, so much more complicated. And people like my friend and her husband, and again, they're they're monogamous, like. Yeah, I get <laughs> you know, there. Um, and like I said, uh, um, she, she's actually, uh, she's a therapist. So, you know, pillar of the community, like provides all these amazing services. She provides low cost group counseling to underserved populations. Like she's an amazing woman. Um, and, uh, and her husband is actually a successful commercial artist. And, you know, so it's like, um, fabulous people, but even with the protections of illegal marriage, they couldn't get the immigration going through and they're still working on it. They're still trying to make it happen. Yeah, USA number one. I and that's <laughs> that's not really the case in most other countries. Um, in other words, no. like just for example, she has no problem going to England. No problem. Um, she cannot work legally in England for like two years while they make sure she's not moving there just to take jobs. Sure. But since her business is over the internet, she did um, she did uh, teleconference and Skype counseling. Sure. Sure. Um, and you know there were some tax issues that I'm not completely familiar with, but they just went to a, an accountant and a you know CPN attorney. Your favorite two, your two favorite words yeah. people ask for advice. Yeah. Um. And unfortunately, if somebody really does want to do this, CPN attorney is probably the best bet here too. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> definitely the CPA. Oh my goodness, our taxes are so crazy. Um. Especially since I have a, a small business and I work for a small business and like, yeah, throw in a small business where your kid is working for you and you're trying to get like, I want to do the thing where you can put match your kids wages in uh, an IRA or a college fund for sure. her. But since she's not legally my kid, I can't do it. No, I, I get it. <laughs> it's just like when, when I said like this, this it, it gets so complicated and burdensome. I really mean it. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure that there are people who, who will object to the fact that we're living this way at all, but I promise if you were our neighbor two houses down, you probably wouldn't know. You probably wouldn't care, and you'd like us because I bring cookies and I'm an amazing baker. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my daughter is actually starting a little mini business where she uh, she bakes cookies and takes them to her high school and sells cookies at the high school, and uh, and that's becoming extremely popular, so... There's, I mean, the reality here is whether somebody likes your lifestyle or not, we've, we've conclusively shown today that this does not just affect people who are living what we consider outside the normal. No. It, it affects anybody who tries to do anything that doesn't meet 100% with what the state says. Well, like you were talking about yesterday, marriage, the, the state marriage started out as a way to make sure that, you know, People didn't collect wedding rings. You know, they, yeah. they, they didn't. They didn't go out and get engaged to a bunch of people to, you know, gather some. Well, that was money the common law we were talking about yesterday, right? Yeah. That, that, okay. In oh, this oh. in this country, marriage licensing didn't didn't occur until after the Civil War, and it was specifically for the purpose of prohibiting interracial marriage. That is yeah. the genesis of marriage license in America. No matter what anybody thinks or anybody says, if you actually crack a book 
and go back and research it, you'll, you'll be able to validate what I just said. So when people talk about traditional marriage in America and, and put marriage licensing as, okay, the, the stamp of approval on that, what you're saying is a black person and a white person shouldn't be able to get married. Yeah, well, that was that was the case until fairly recently here in yeah. Texas. So that law was on the book, and 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 of course, when it comes to these laws, they are extremely selectively enforced. Oh yeah, you do not get charged with bigamy because you're a bigamist. You get charged with bigamy in some cases because it's the only thing that will stick. Like there was a guy who was going out marrying a whole bunch of women, emptying their bank accounts, and moving on to the next one. Um, and they couldn't get him on fraud because he was legally married to these people, but he could, they could get him on bigamy. So they got him on bigamy. You know, they got Al Capone on tax evasion. Um, what, they, what, what a lot of these marriage laws really do is if you're doing something that irritates the state, they can't go after you for what they really don't want you to do. But they can pull this up and make your life a living hell until you either are broke because all of your money has gone to lawyers Or, um, broken because you just lose the will to fight. Or, you know. Do you acquiesce and give them what they want? Yeah. Um, so, so the marriage, uh, you know, a lot of this, if they want you to do what they want you to do, this is all about control. Sure. Well, because I am positive if I, like, won the lottery tomorrow and my husband and I broke up and it was super, super unamicable. Like, I can't see this happening, but let's just say um, I would be willing to bet he could go to family court and get um, get some sort of support and get some sort of child support for the kid. Sure. I'd be willing to bet that the, the courts would give it to him, even though we were never legally married, because I did something that they didn't want me to do. So they could use that as a way to punish or control me. And I've seen similar things happen where, you know, a, a guy was living with a woman and her kids, never officially married her, leaves, she goes after him for money. And sometimes the family courts make it stick and the family courts are massively unfair. They're not designed to be fair. They're, no. They're, they're a lawyer's dream and a family's nightmare is what they are. Again, I, I really recommend that people uh, get the documentary topic. Divorce yeah. Corp. It is, it is sick what's done to what we consider tradition, even traditional marriages. And I have to say that if you are married and you end up in divorce and you try to use your children against your spouse, I, I will, the only term I can come up with for you is vehement piece of shit. A child should never be used as a weapon against somebody that you're angry with. And no matter what, that person's done in your relationship, unless they're physically abusive or dangerous in some way, they're your child's mother or father. And it, it, yep. it, it sickens me. And I, I, I know that it's like a basal instinct because I've, I've heard many people in, in that, that initial pain of a divorce say shit like, well, she'll or he'll never see those kids again. And I'm always like, what the fuck is wrong with you, right? Yeah. Um, but most people do tend to come to their senses somewhat on that, but If there's a disagreement about it... Well, there, there's always an instinct to lash out, but yeah. there's also, like, an instinct to, you know, um, you know, rip off your prey with your teeth when your adrenaline is up, and we don't do that either. Yeah. You I mean, know... Do you think there's any hope? Like, you know, I've talked about this a lot, and I don't really know exactly how far it's going yet, 
But the, the concept of virtual nations, it, it seems like a great idea, but the problem is like it doesn't actually fix any of the shit we talked about today, like health insurance, except some of the people behind those movements are talking about creating their own health insurance products and things like that. I mean, it, it, I guess if you, if you screw with people long enough, if there's a way to innovate themselves out of it, they'll do it. Well, the virtual uh, virtual nation, uh, nations might be a good step in that direction because I mean, if we if we take the precedent of gay marriage legalization, it first happened in other countries, and then the real question was, okay, so these people have a legal gay marriage in say Denmark, yeah, and now they're in the United States. How do we handle this? Yeah. Uh, and when it was slowly becoming legal in the United States, you know, okay, they have a legal gay marriage in Vermont. Now they're in Texas. Now they want a divorce. How do we handle this? Yeah. Um, so that really, I think, got the ball rolling in a really, really good way. And I will say, I was not expecting the Supreme Court to rule on it. I thought it was going to go on for another 20 years. Um, <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to turn into uh, into another one of these uh, great dividing topics that doesn't... Yeah, Isn't that, it will never go anywhere. Was the most horrific, terrible thing. God was going to kill us all. Uh, the the country would sink into the ocean. It would destroy. I mean, it was such a big deal. And, and now it's and not. When the decision came down, there was all this ah yelling and screaming about it. And then it I made just so many gift baskets went, that week. It went away. It just went. I mean, my favorite guy during that whole thing was some redneck. He was like Alabama or Mississippi or something like that. And he seemed like the typical guy that would be totally like the gay basher or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he starts out, I don't know if you remember if you saw this video or not, but he's like, he goes, so they've handed this down. We're going to go out and see if there's any homosexuals doing homosexual things under my wood pile. And he goes, <laughs> no, they ain't there. We better go check my shed. And he's like, well, I'll come back and tell you. And it was, he made such a valid point that like, okay, this happened. And you know what happened in my backyard because of it? Absolutely effing nothing. Nothing. Well, it's, It's so easy to distract people by tell by by you know I mean everybody has opinions about what other people should and shouldn't do. Yeah. And it's so tempting to to try to legislate this. Like you shouldn't do you know you shouldn't paint your house purple. It's an ugly yeah. color. I don't want purple houses in my neighborhood. It's going to affect my property value. And you can come up with all kinds of reasons, but basically it's a desire for control. It's a desire for control. And let me just say something on that note, right? So the whole thing about people protecting their property values and making sure they go up in HOAs, I want well, every If they weren't leveraged to 120% on their properties, it wouldn't matter. Maybe yeah. if they were more fiscally responsible. Well, here, I want every parent out there that thinks that way. That when I talk about HOAs sucking at all, you're like, oh, it's not that bad. We do need to – all you're doing as a parent, especially of a young child who has like 25 years to go before they're going to buy a house, is making sure it's very difficult, if not impossible, for your child to buy their first home by constantly putting upward pressure on property values. That's the only thing you're doing is pricing real estate out of the reach of a new buyer with this concept that we should have house values go up every year. If I've, uh, I've joked that the wages, that's your result. And that's why we have so many 25, 35-year-old you know, young people out there today trying to buy their first house going, holy shit, I, I can't afford this. And even in our state, you know very well, our state has been the sane real estate market. For, for 30 years, while everybody else has been stupid, You could buy a decent house in Texas for under $100,000. It's the stupidities come. Yeah, well, um, I, I used to joke that the reason the property values kept going up is because the boomers knew that Social Security wasn't going to be around, and this was basically a tax on the young. It was a wealth transfer tax from 
uh, the young to the old because the old had property and the young were trying to buy it. Yeah. So yeah. it's a retirement um, plan, right? You buy the big house, you sit on it for 30 years, you sell it, and you buy a small house. Yeah, and I will say one of the reasons we live in the small town outside of Austin um, is we were priced out of Austin. We we needed a you know we needed a, a house of a certain size and square footage, and I wanted a yard big enough to have a garden, and um, we were able to get this for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And the nearest comparable property inside Austin that we could find was like two hundred and eighty. Yeah. And we technically qualified for that mortgage, but we weren't really interested <clears throat> in leveraging to the hilt. Yeah. You know, we're big believers in like living inside of our means and and, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, which is good because that was just before my wife uh, became disabled. So like, it was it was really good that we 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 picked uh, we picked that. But um, you know, we weren't looking for anything extravagant. We were looking for you know. Just something really, really basic. But house, housing prices in Austin are crazy right now. Yeah, they're getting that way here too. It's, it's what it is is the see you you actually run a state somewhat. I mean, not completely, but somewhat fiscally responsibly, better than most other states, and your economy works out really well. So the bar they, we're competing against is Michigan. So yeah. <laughs> so everybody moves here, and then that creates a housing demand, and then if it precedes a recession or it, it uh, follows a recession, where the housing building stopped for a while yeah and it, it did even here it really went to almost nothing except like custom bills to people were specifically saying i want to build a house but when i remember back in the 90s early 2000s when you went out on weekends there were signs everywhere of new housing developments because they had to put the signs out on the weekend take them back on sunday night yeah like that all just stopped and then we get this huge influx of people without the continuation of building we're going to create a property shortage and the price goes up but everywhere else that's happened, it hasn't worked out really well. So I think you're smart for not buying that property in Austin. Um, but we've kind of really strayed. So I, I think yeah. got I, I can, I can I talk about real estate for, for quite a long time. No, um, we've got to the point here. I'm going to sum this up. You tell me if I've got this right. All right. Basically, the idea of being married without the state is a wonderful idea that doesn't mesh well with current reality. There's things that you can do to mitigate the damage that can occur by not doing that. But in the essence, all you're doing is dragging the state back in in pieces, parts, versus taking a package that's handed there for you. And if you were advising someone who was this, it was a, a single couple, not in your situation, yeah. uh, whether they were same sex or opposite sex, you would just say, screw it, bite your tongue, and just get married. Yeah, well, um, absolutely, because I have seen, you, you know, there's, there's, uh, people think of the, of the benefits of being married. They don't think of all the protections necessarily until something goes wrong. Mm. And like I said, there are plenty of family members where if you're not legally married and something happens to your partner, you know, they might come after the money. And you might think that's never going to happen. Your mother would never do that to you. She would never take that away from her grandkids. You'd be surprised. My mother would. I have no doubt. Yeah. I have no doubt. Um, yeah. Um, there, there's a reason I haven't talked to my mother and will probably never talk to her again. <laughs> like, uh, she would absolutely um, have zero problems. Um, and I mean, that can be handled to a take degree. The with, that can be handled to a degree with a will, but wills can be contested. They can be contested in probate court. And again, remember, if you're not legally married, they're not legally required to um, to inform you of all the probate hearings. So there are there are ways that people have 
abused that system to get around those legal protections. So they get a probate hearing and you don't even show up. So they say, well, obviously she doesn't care. Yeah. And, and I can see somebody in your situation going, well, she was nuts. She wasn't a sound mind to make this decision. Look at her life, right? And yeah. depending on the judge you get, right? I mean, the judge might go, yeah, sure. And you get, you know, you wheel in one uh, uh, psychologist, if you want to call him that, that says, yeah, she was clinically insane based on my observation of her choices, and you didn't show up, and she didn't, she didn't even show up. Doesn't yeah. even care. Done, right? I, I know that kind of thing can happen. So, and I mean, and some some of the places where, like, okay, so you you're you're involved in a probate, you're named on it. They can put the notice in like the dinkiest local paper in the back. Like, oh yeah, that yeah nobody yeah. reads. Yeah. Well, it's a public notice. The, they the didn't green, know exactly where you were. And the green sense, sheet, you know, right, or something. Yeah, they can right. put it in the back of the, of the green sheet. Um, so they technically notified you because they notified everybody. Yeah, the public. But knows. since you're not legally married, they're not. They, you don't get some of the, the requirements to to drag you into. Uh, you know, you, you're not required to be there. So yeah, I mean, there's there's all sorts of of protections for when things go wrong, and that's really when you need contracts, and that's that's the real takeaway I want people to take. So here's my my kind of final thoughts. Then, if if I were someone that was looking at these virtual nations and wanted to to, to start availing myself of what they can do, I would say then you should probably go ahead if you have the situation that warrants it and get your legal marriage within the state of Texas or Alabama or Arkansas yeah. and then also do it because I think that many of our solutions that we're migrating toward, we're building parallel solutions. So, yes, the goal is to replace the state, but we're not ready yet. So you do what you can outside And then you have, I always call it the interactive edge, right? This place where you, you're forced to deal with the state. And that seems like a much more sane practice because you can try to use whatever tools are being put together in this, you know, blockchain nation type thing. But if that fails, you have a fallback. Or if you have a, a contract, and I would say this is not just marriage, right? You have a contract within And I don't know if they're going to make it or not, but let's just say BitNation. Yeah. And that contract is basically enforced within there, but it's still a contract, right? So then it could still be turned over to binding arbitration. or And if the binding arbitrator sides with one side, it could still be turned over then to the state to simply enforce the binding arbitration until such time as we can come up with a mechanism that does away with that. And I think that these are neat experiments, <laughs> but I, I, I personally wouldn't bet my future or my family's future on those things just yet. Yeah, and and the the thing that most people kind of gloss over contracts in particular, but marriages very, very much so, you only need the contract when things go south. Hmm. You don't need the contract when things are going great. You need it when something goes wrong, when, <laughs> you know, Um So getting as many of those protections as you possibly can inside and outside uh, the blockchain is a fabulous idea. Um, making sure that, I mean, you can do basically a, a prenuptial slash postnuptial. You can do all of this with, with other kinds of contracts. Um, but, you know, the, the only time you really need a contract is when you need to enforce it in a lot of ways. If, if you have a written agreement and everybody's an ethical, upright person and really wants to you know, not only go by the letter of the agreement, but the spirit of the agreement, you're not going to have problems. But, you know, again, when you when you talk about something like marriage, first, everybody assumes everything is going to be okay. And, sure. you know, 
uh, well, well, if you're in love and getting married, obviously that's a pretty healthy uh, place to be, but that's not how it always works out. And um, I think people also underestimate um, some of the toxicity and damage that extended families can do legally without those contracts sort of blocking them out. Personally, I would tell young people today that they should be entering into prenuptial agreements. And absolutely, we have gotten to a point where we think that's for rich people to protect their assets, right? Like the guy's worth $20 billion and he's getting married to some some person and he doesn't want to put his $20 billion at stake that he had before she got there. If, if you have kids or are thinking of having kids, having a prenuptial where you already work out how custody. you want to split custody yeah. is, I mean... I hope you never end up in that situation, but if you've, if you've done that work beforehand when everybody's emotions are up and everybody's feelings are hurt, yeah, at least you'll be able to have that to fall back on and be like, okay, this is what we agreed to before. Before we were upset. And I think we were upset. Let's see if we can get back to it or something close to it if something doesn't work. Well, here's my point, right? So if you can't have that conversation, you shouldn't get married. In a sane way now, not only should you not get married, but What are the odds that you will be capable of having it at a time when you're upset with each other? I've heard people say you never really meet your spouse until you meet him across the table uh, with a divorce attorney next to him. (laughs) People have um, surprising depths of nasty that they can sometimes pull out. So, I mean, if, if you can't... Figure out if you can't. Uh, we use, uh, uh, in the poly community, I've heard it called the pre-breakup because a lot of times, you know, our prenuptials, since we're not legally getting married, um, they, there's no legal standing, but they're still a really, really, really useful tool where you're like, okay, so all of my furniture I take with me. Here's what all that furniture is. All your furniture you take with you, like. Well, uh, anything that we con- buy together, this is how we're going to break it up. Um, good contracts in business keep you out of court. Oh, yeah. Then there's none of this misunderstanding. Like, well, I'm supposed to get this. Well, no, you're not. We said this. We let's okay. Line. Oh, okay, wait. It says right here that. Oh, you know what? You're 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 right. Damn it. You are supposed to take that. Okay. And generally, yeah. most people that are of sound mind when they've signed a contract and they read the contract, if they're not out to just hurt the other person or take what they can, go. Oh shit! I was wrong. Okay. And see that this is why divorces get so nasty. You hire a lawyer. Their job is not to fix your problem or to... Their job is to get as many billable hours for the firm as they possibly can. So... That is their job. An attorney that I met a long time ago that said, if I want to be honest, my dream client is rich, angry, and wrong. If I get rich, angry, and wrong from a client, I can freaking retire off of that person. Yeah. And it's like... So anyway, we really have kind of... Uh, well, um, there was one other thing I wanted to give as a tip for anybody who is trying to to do this, and it's a it's a it's a banking tip. Okay. If you can, if you're doing anything along these lines, if you're doing anything non-standard, bank with USAA if you can. Really. Um, we went through a whole bunch of banks trying to get everybody on one joint account with equal everything. Um, USAA was the only one that was able to like. They sat down with us. They were like, this is really weird. We've never done this before. They had to, to, you know, check with legal, make sure, you know, we weren't doing anything fraudulent. But their customer service was amazing. They made it all happen. And we could not have gotten our mortgage without that Mm. because we were able to prove that we had all been on a joint checking account for seven years. Gotcha. Um, We were able to get a joint gym membership, a family rate gym membership at a fairly nice gym because we were able to be like, okay, we're all on the same account. So, like... 
that has been huge for just getting like the practical day-to-day stuff. Um, we just purchased a car. The, having that joint account with that history on it meant that we were able to get a, an amazing interest rate on our car loan. <laughs> Um, so if at all possible, if you can bank with USAA, they will make it happen for you. And, um, I have not had any other bank be able to handle our finances and the stuff that we need to do for our taxes. So there's a practical tip. Like if you want to do non-traditional family, anything that's, that's the bank for you. That's, that's awesome because I can see other reasons people would do that. That have nothing to do with marriage. I mean, oh, yeah. from a financial partnership without a corporation, you know, I mean that there's, there's, you know, that um, type of thing. My brother and I had a brief account that we opened and then closed because we both have USA accounts to help handle the expenses of my dad's funeral. That's a perfect example. You know, it, it was just we needed to be able to show that there was that much there and, and to get all of that done. And we were able to do it from our cell phones. They were right there. Fantastic. That's that's awesome. Well, again, I appreciate this. I, 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 I was hoping there was a more... Uh, Elegant solution. The elegant solution. That would be a good word for it. <laughs> But I think it's I think it's it's a good thing that people know that there isn't, because yeah. that actually shows people how messed up the situation is. And people generally don't try to fix problems until they know they exist. So uh, I appreciate you helping us pull back just how big of a mess this is. And if the you know if the honest answer in the end is to protect your assets, bite your tongue, and do business with the state, then That's the honest answer we should give people, and I think that's the answer we've come to. When when I got legally married, none of my friends believed me for three months <laughs> because I for my for most of my life I'd said you know I have no intention of getting married you know why why buy the pig when you can get the sausage for free it's a little crude but um, <laughs> <laughs> I had no interest in marriage at all and um, just you know and then I was like well I kind of want a mortgage and like insurance and all of the grown up stuff I was you know. That had nothing to do with romance or anything along those lines came up. And, um, you know, you know, I, I'm as anti-marriage as you could have come across. And I ended up doing it just because it makes the paperwork so much simpler. And, um, I'm working crazy hours right now. Uh, thanks for rescheduling this with me. Uh, I just got off of working 19 days straight, 12 hour days, which is wow. so much fun when you come home and you have kids. <laughs> Um, but, um, uh, if, uh, if people have questions, um, I'm more than happy to answer them in the forum. Okay, cool. And, uh, my username there is token. All right. If you just can pop in there real quick, uh, and, and say, uh, put a, a thread up. This is Q and a from episode. What the hell episode is this going to be? I'll tell you here in just a blue. second. Blue. Episode uh, number blue. Episode number 1755. Um, I'll, I'll link to that from the show notes as well. Uh, because This may be better played out with discussion in the forum because it it'll flow better than like blog comments get crazy at some point with too many and I think there might. I generally go. avoid blog comments whenever I talk about my personal life. Yeah, like well, YouTube I mean, comments are also pretty bad. The I, nesting I'm, feature alone in, in in WordPress is less than perfect, uh, and yeah. people get confused about who's talking to who. So uh, if you set that up, I'll, I'll direct traffic over there. And the other links you had for me, if you just pop those over to me. Because uh, this will be on the air in a couple hours. And uh, I appreciate yeah. you being with us today. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad I actually finally had something to contribute. Everybody else is like better than me at permaculture and food storage. <laughs> and I am not super great with guns. So, yay, this was something I could I could bring to the community. I'm very happy to be able to do it. Well, again, thanks for being with us today. And uh, wish you the best. All right. Thanks so much, Jack. Bye. 
All right, folks, with that, we've kind of rounded out the subject, and I wish there was a more eloquent solution, but we've given you the truth, which I was what I always try to do here is give you the truth, even when the truth sucks. But I think the big truth that we've uncovered today is that it's just another example of how government's good intentions often lead to a lot of problems because government attempts to control things that really should be between individuals rather than individuals plus the state. On that note, if you liked what you heard today and you want to help support the show or the work I do, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. If you do that, you get exclusive content available only to members, and you can help support the show at a whopping 18.3 cents an episode. And if you want to do business with other members of the community, consider checking out the TSP Business Directory at tspbiz.com. Today's featured supporter of the Business Directory is the Wealth Studying Podcast that provides timely information on investing in market trends. John is on the Expert Council, and he's also a great friend friend of mine, check out his podcast to learn his 10 wealth building principles. And you can find him and everybody else again at tspbiz.com. With that, let's go into the closing song today. I uh, picked a song that I think might be somehow connected to the discussions that we've had today in a way that I, I don't think most people would get. This is an old song that I guarantee you've heard this song and you probably like it. This is one of those songs that's old It's been around a very, very long time, but almost everybody likes it. And it is um, Stand By Me by Benny King. And you might wonder, what the hell could that song have to do with today's show? Well, here's the thing. I would bet the vast majority of people in our audience today feel like I do about Token's lifestyle. Don't get it. Just don't. I, I cannot see myself in a, a three-way marriage. Uh, just can't. In any shape, form, just don't get it. Don't get it, don't get it, don't get it. But would I rather stand by someone like her when it comes down to what matters in the world today or next to a politician? Is there ever a point that we're going to start looking around and start realizing we don't all have to agree as long as we can all agree to not harm each other? We, we would be a much better off society. And will we ever stop taking the side of the party or the position, or the meme of the day, or the fear of the day, and actually stand by each other, even when we disagree with each other, so long as we have enough respect for each other to let all, everybody live the way that they really want to. Just something to think about, something to ponder. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me So darling, darling, stand by me, oh, stand by me, oh, stand, stand by me, stand by me. If the sky that we look upon should tumble and fall, or the mountains should crumble. 
as you stand.